I got love for you, man. You know what, I'm <laughs> what are we talking about? You know, I'm not here to start any trouble. I'm only going to say nice things about you from now on. I think you're handsome, and I think you're a wonderful host. I'm fat and I'm overweight. Just don't say anything silly. I was waiting for you to say that. I'm not laughing about it. You think this is funny? I take this serious. You know, I don't want y'all to take anything that out of context that I'm saying. He's very funny. He likes to joke around a lot. As a personality and as an entertainer, yes. This is going to be really quick. I'm not taking any questions. Go ahead and get comfortable. I'm going to talk for a little bit. You're listening to Cabby Presents, the podcast. Welcome, 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 welcome to the show. My name is Cabby Richards. Thank you for the click, the download, and or the subscription. I appreciate it. I am saddened that the best three months of the calendar year are now behind us. This is tough. Because autumn, and I don't even know if anybody even calls it autumn, is here. I mean, the best part about the fall is that it's a very busy time in sports. And the gargantuan, ginormous machine of the NFL is upon us. Just thunders down with its cleat and its huge apparatus just crushing us in the head with 48 hours of news coverage in a, in a 24-hour sports cycle. But I like it, though. Did anyone else gain eight pounds opening weekend of the NFL season? There's an expression, the food baby or the itis, as some people might refer it to, when you eat like a serious meal of food. I ate a food Buddha. And my Tennessee Titans won, so... I was happier than a kid at Toys R Us. Everything was good. So uh, I'm going to start something next week called My Guy Mondays. And a few of my friends will be passing by the studio each week. And uh, we're going to talk the same thing we do here. Pop culture, sports, and dude stuff. It will be light on information, but heavy on entertainment. So hope you guys can check those every Monday. You're about to hear a balanced conversation with a good friend of mine, Another host that started in this city and has been making huge strides in the United States like so many other talented Canadians do in the entertainment business. He joins me on the phone right now. If it's going to be an interview, I'm going to conduct it. So I'll answer my own questions, ask myself the questions, then give y'all the answers. The last time we spoke... We stood on a sidewalk, catching up during the Toronto International Film Festival. He was dressed sharply in a blue suit, eating a salad in between movies, while I, like an outer shape fat gym teacher, was coming from the gym in an ugly sweatsuit. Working for the LA Bureau of Entertainment Tonight Canada, Matt Babel was filing stories during the most celebrity-filled 10 days of the year in Toronto. For the better part of a decade, he interviewed musicians and artists on Much Music, was a heartthrob to teenage girls and young women, and my nemesis before moving to New York to anchor the desk at Fuse News, which is weeknights at 8 p.m. for our American listeners. The rest of you guys, like myself, got to catch it online. I'm happy to be joined by Matt Babel, my nemesis. Hello, sir. Welcome to Yo, Presents. it's quite the intro, bro. It's quite the introduction there. Well, you know, I had to dig deep. Yeah, you did. You were digging. You were digging very deep. Yes. <laughs> on, uh, on Instagram and Twitter, you can uh, chart his adventures at This Is Babel. That's T H I S I S B A B E L. At This Is Babel. How come you don't tweet more often or post anything on Instagram? I really got to work on my social media game. It's lacking right now. My social media, my Twitter game, my Instagram game, I got to get it all up. But why, though? It's just, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not from that school of thought, I find. Like, it's interesting for, like, our generation who's still in touch with, like, you know, the younger, the younger generation, you know, kids in their early 20s and stuff, like, that's how they're programmed. Like, I'm not programmed to pull out my phone and take a picture of something that's amazing. I'm not programmed to be tweeting. So, like, if I don't constantly remind myself, 
like I don't do it. So so sometimes I'll get in the mind frame, people notice, they'll be like, yeah, you go on spurts where you tweet because I'll make a conscious effort to know that I have to do it for X amount of period, especially for us, you know, to stay relevant and let people know what you're doing and, and build up that following. But it's like, if I'm not consciously thinking about it, it's not happening. I don't understand how that's not on your mind though. Like just even as an information source, I mean, okay, forget Instagram, but even, and maybe you do read Twitter to get information, but like just even to just stay up on what people are talking about or oh, what's, I read what's out it. there. I read it and check it out, but it's more like I miss moments. Like, you know what I mean? It's more like I'll miss a moment, like especially Instagram because like, you know, a lot of the time I find it, it's super difficult um, you know, especially some of the people I'm around, they don't want to be Instagrammed. You know, they don't want to be like, you know, I'm not, I'm not a photographer. So like, sometimes it's hard to like pull out your camera, just take a picture of somebody, especially in the environment. Sometimes I'm in, it just doesn't go like that. Yes. And we will get to some of those environments because didn't we hang out in Utah? Like randomly we're in park city during, uh, did we hang out during the, the film festival? Yeah. Uh, what the what the what's that one called in Park Oh City? my God! Yeah, because we went to that we went to that Drake party. Yeah, and then and I'll, okay, but okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna pause that. I'm gonna stick a pin in that and get back to it. Uh, Sundance. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I can't, I forgot about Sundance. So, anyway, where in the world are you, Matt Babel? Right now, I'm sitting at my desk. I'm in New York. I just left a little gathering. I, uh, you know, I'm hopefully going to go to a couple fashion uh, fashion week events tonight. So I'm just kind of sitting at my desk. I, I was at an event. I came back to a nice quiet space to give you a call. I appreciate that. And how long were you in Toronto for most recently? Two days. That's it? I like two, two nights? Two or days. Two, two, yeah. Or one night? Yeah. In and out. In and out. And what were you doing here? I came to see the Made in America film. I was at um, Made in America in Philadelphia. We met some of the people who were responsible for kind of putting that festival together, and they were telling me about the doc. And then, you know, like, the other thing, it's so hard to keep up with people. So when you have an opportunity to kind of keep up with them in a very organic fashion, like, I'm just realizing more and more you got to take advantage of those of those options. So it's like you meet them there, and there's someone substantial. You know, chances are there's a lot of those people I won't probably see. Um, oh, my God. What what are you oh my godding about? I'm at work and uh, oh my god! I so I came back to the office and the show we taped today is now playing on the TV in the office, and I'm looking at my outfit and it's embarrassing. What do you mean? What is it? What are you wearing? I'm, it looks like I'm wearing my little brother's sweatshirt right now. It's just embarrassing. What do you mean? Like what what's on it? A Care Bear? It's just, it might as well have, it just looks really small and short and tiny on me anyway. Guy, I've seen you in a photo shoot once and you're, you're, you're fully on your Andre 3000 game. Like you had, and I don't remember the, the publication, I just happened upon these pictures and I saw them. Listen, it was very fashion forward and may, you know how like Dwayne Wade and Russell Westbrook take so much heat because of their fashion choices. Yep, and you they deserve it. Like, world. you shouldn't be wearing glasses with no... You shouldn't be wearing glasses with no lens in them. I don't believe anybody should be doing that. But do you ever wear glasses as an accessory? No. See, a lot of people do, and I personally don't because I think you're try people are trying too hard. However, they look good on some people, but I just don't do that as a personal choice. It's a personal choice, and I also believe it's like you're, 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 you're teasing the eye gods. Two people, I don't mess with the eye gods, and I don't really mess around with the hair gods. Because at any time, they could take both away from you. So what what's going on with your hair? Are you growing it out? I just saw an interview you did recently with Miguel, speaking of the Made in America Festival, in yeah. which he uh, performed on stage. And uh, it was in Brooklyn this year, right? Or was it in it Philadelphia? It was in Brooklyn this year, yeah. Yeah. So what's going on with your hair, dude? Just growing it out a little bit, you know? That's what I said. You got to enjoy it where you can. You know, the hair gods might at some time just believe, like, I shouldn't have hair anymore. And if they happen to come by me, I don't want to be someone who's never had, like, I had long hair, but for a long time, I've just been shaving it off. So, wait, are you, but how, like, how long are you trying to, are you, are you going to try to, are you going to put product in it and do what Miguel does? He, Miguel sort of has, like, a wave in. I was joking around with him about that, and he says he doesn't use any hair product. Yeah, right. That, the dude's got a perm. What do you mean? He's half use... Mexican, bro. So what? That's that straight shit. You're half Mexican. You know, your dad's half mixed or whatever he is. You end up with the, with the hair that, you know, sometimes you don't need product for. Come on, dude. That guy's got like that guy's got a full. He's got like half a container of Dax in his hair. Friggin' I can't sporting eat waves. Dax. Huh? 
I can't believe you just called out Dax like that. Hundred percent. Hey, so um, okay, so like right now, this this time of year, it's like uh, a lot of people have gone back to school. Millions and millions of kids have gone back to school. When you were in high school or in yeah. junior high, did you have any kind of anxiety about what you wore? That first week of school, you just mentioned that you saw yourself on the air tonight. Never, looking. never. I was, you know, why I was always fresh to death. Were you even at like thirteen? Fresh. I might not have been fresh to death, but I thought I was fresh to death. So you know what I mean? Like you, I thought I was always super crispy. <laughs> you know, like I don't know. I always a little bit. My mom didn't have a ton of money, so my aunt, one of my aunts, used to take me back to school shopping when I was a kid. And then, so, I mean, back to, oof, I was always, I felt crispy. So, what, what I was, never had any anxiety. In fact, I always looked forward to going back to school. Because I spent a lot of my summers in the States. What, in what state? Like Atlanta. What? Like, you, you were just in Georgia doing what? Well, my biological mom lived there, so I'd go spend the summers with her. Ah, okay. So then, but, so you would get clothes even cheaper because, like, exactly. back, back in those days, exactly. you could get... So I felt fresh to death. I always felt when I came back like I had a lot of, a lot of great stuff. Did you, you have, know? did you have one piece of clothing or an outfit that you just wore out because you thought you looked as cool as you as cool as you could ever look like was there was there that one pair of jordans or that no, one hoodie i never had i never i mean i go through phases even to this day where you get an outfit and you're like this is the outfit it's interesting because my mom once said you know as we're getting older my mom once said she's like you know you never feel old She's like, your body will feel old. Because I was joking around with her about all the stuff she does to maintain herself now. You know, um, you know now she's doing pretty well for herself. She lives over in Singapore. And, and I, was, I was bugging her about things she does. And, and she's like, you know, you never feel old. She's like, your mind always stays young. So, so it's interesting now as I get older, and I'm, I'm expecting one day to miraculously feel like an adult, but it hasn't quite happened yet. And I'm not sure if that's because of the, uh, you know, the framework and the world that I live in that it keeps you young or... It's exactly what she said, and, and essentially your mind always, you know, you always feel young in, in, your, in your mind, uh, even though your body starts to act up as you get older. So needless to say, going back to our initial point, you know, I still have outfits. All of a sudden, I'm like, yo, this is so fresh. This is my, you know, this is my outfit for X amount of time where I get, you know, I get enamored with, with a look or a piece of clothing or something, and I kind of wear it till it falls apart. So I think we're one of the lucky ones. I think we're among the lucky ones, Matt, because I have a similar uh way of thinking a similar mindset that you do that I always feel young I mean Peter Pan is one of my heroes as well as George Clooney and Derek Jeter because of their aversion to serious relationships um, but I, I have I'm with you and, and maybe maybe it has why to do are you equating serious relationships with with a mind state of feeling old guy you how many married people do you know that hate being married and who feel a lot. Yeah, and, a lot and, of them. And how many friends do you have that are in their 30s like, oh, I'm getting old. Like, you know a you're not getting old. You're not 87 living in a friggin' Green Acres retirement home. You're 31 or you're 38. Like, you're not old. It's all how you think. Yeah, it's true. It's a mind, it, it is a lot of it a mind state and the lifestyle you choose to live. But clothing is always an interesting thing to me because it's like, you know, one of my favorite songs this year is Kanye's uh, New Slaves. And I think okay. it is essentially, I don't find in this, in this current era we're in, you don't find, even though, you know, the stuff we're going through globally and the political turmoil that exists, you don't find a lot of, like, political songs that are on the forefront of music or doing anything on the charts. And especially an artist of his magnitude who has a chance to really monetize music, you know, political music isn't something that is easily... Uh, monetizable, you know, or able to monetize, sorry, for lack of... For, yeah, sorry no, no, about it's, that. It's, it's not commercial. So it's, like, it's, not commer it's not really commercially viable. To it's be... not commercially viable. That's what I'm searching for as I'm going on this riff here. So, so it's interesting that he makes this, he decides to make this album, and the single is so politically charged and, and saying so much, and the interesting part about it for me is the fact that when he's like, you know, when he's talking about new slaves, and he's talking about, I do feel like this era has a, has that feeling of new slaves, and I do feel even like myself, which I'm more cognizant of now. The idea that you know, there's a lot of my friends and peers, and and certain people who couldn't afford certain things growing up, and I believe there's a you know there's a a lot of blacks now as we come to an era where racism less prevalent prevalent and there's more opportunity who are now living 
and doing things um, later on in life. And how that relates to fashion is I really think, you know, you look at the obsession that a lot of older black men have with sneakers. You know, like me, for example, I never had Jordans really growing up. I never got them, like, as a kid. My right. mom just really couldn't afford them. Like, I think I might have had one pair of Jordans, right? And I think my, my older brother might have bought those for me. So, for me, it's like when I came into, like, high school, a little bit older high school, and I started making money, like, I was buying Jordans like crazy. And then into my early adulthood, I was obsessed with all these things and buying these things that, that, that had, I guess, nostalgic value and I couldn't afford when I was younger. And then I think it's only now I'm starting to grow out of that. It's only now, you know, that I'm in my early 30s that I'm actually growing out of wanting and buying these things where I feel like a lot of kids who have actually financial agency who grew up in a different social class, they get those things when they're a lot younger. So they kind of grow out of that phase a lot earlier in life and could focus on other things. You know, so I think the fact that Kanye was kind of like that sentiment is on this record, the idea of new slaves and the idea that now, you know, again, with more opportunity, now we're slaves to products and, and buying things and enjoying this financial agency is a crazy idea to put on a record and actually say, hey, this is the way it is and put it out there and try to make it, you know, commercially viable, even though it's not. And, and this is coming from the same guy, Kanye West, who wrote a song about Jesus. And he said, you think they play my, uh, uh, you think, uh, what, what was the line about getting airplay or radio play singing about Jesus in the song Jesus they Walks? Can, they say you can rap for anything except for, for Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, I, I'm with you on, I, I'm with you on, on New Slaves. And, and you, that was very well said. Uh, uh, you probably fell into what I fell into because hip hop music is was such hip hop is like the culture that we grew up in. And at the time when we were growing up, hip hop was so materialistic as far as what guys were rhyming about and the lifestyles that they they like they like to amplify via their music videos and you know before social media, just the way they, they presented themselves in magazines and stuff. Where however we could consume them, they always had a certain image, which wasn't always the truth. But anyway, I'm I know I got caught up in that and I don't you, know you if it has anything to really do with music. I mean no, no, the culture maybe the, I think culture. like for me personally, like social media wasn't as prevalent back then. So for me it wasn't like seeing a lot of other people with it. Like for me like it was more seeing my, I remember my older brother recording like like music videos for the odd time that but it was about seeing him and his friends with it like seeing the culture you know of Jordans and, and just seeing that culture and I remember you know seeing old Spike Lee commercials but it's more about the in my immediate surroundings and you know the cooler kids in the block how they were dressed like it, there was a lot more sense of immediacy. Like, I couldn't really see that far outside my bubble. So, for me, it was that. I mean, even at that time, like, you know, my brothers listened to Cool Mo D, like, Wow Wow West, and, like, you know, Cool G Rap, and, like, records like that. So, uh, I guess there was a certain element of, you know, of, of materialism going on in the music. But for me, it was more like what I was seeing, like, in very close proximity to my life, being like, yo, I, like, how do I get that stuff? How do I want that? You know, and I remember having that long, and I think subconsciously as you get older, being a young black male, it affects you. And you prescribe to those things because, or that belief pattern, because that's what you associate with a feeling of success in, in certain things. So I think, I, I think it's interesting how a lot of males, they, I look at a lot of people now, especially analytically, having went to school, you know, for, you know, doing an honors in, in one of my degrees was an honors in sociology, like looking at patterns of people and stuff and, and naturally with our jobs and what we look at, it's just interesting how we notice that's a common pattern. Like I noticed, you know, if you meet a lot of, you know, it's interesting, wealthy kids who had a lot of whatever they wanted growing up, they aren't, they don't, they aren't, they aren't as enamored with possessions. They, they don't, you know, I don't see them collecting sneakers the way a lot of people do and collecting those side of things with a lot of people. Sorry, I don't see them collecting those kind of things the way a lot of people do who didn't have them growing up. Right. Well, it's kind of like that fear of missing out syndrome, and also they just didn't have it. So not, it's it, the things that you don't have become more desirable. Uh, you mentioned material, and I'd like um, you to tell the story about um, how you once had a one-piece white spandex suit. I think you must be confusing me with somebody else. Playing football at at uh, William, uh, sorry, Wilfrid Laurier University. Tell you got me. some weird information from somebody. Tell Who gave you that piece of information? Tell me about the spandex suit, the one piece, Terrell Owens, who's probably a huge influence in your football playing career. Let me say this much, okay? I had a lot of swag on the field. <laughs> <laughs> okay? 
Your swag was on 100,000 trillion if you could pull off a white Listen, spandex okay, suit of all, before first Terrell of all, Okay, at the, time, at the time, you know, season... First of all, football season starts with the like it starts with a lot of training in the summer. That's okay. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. By the time you get to season, by the time season's about to come around, you naturally want a peacock. <laughs> you want a stunt. You want everybody to know what your physique looks like, and you want to collect a lot of trinkets for the field. So naturally, how you figure oh, like, how am man. I going to do something separate myself from everybody else? Right. Half of it is what people see on the field. Half of it is the jokes in the locker room. So we were gold, purple, white is essentially where the colors everyone was wearing. Sometimes people do some black. You know, you want to do spandex underneath. So I had the idea because people weren't under armor. I wanted to get something made. You know, I wanted to get something <laughs> custom-made. I wanted some sheen to the tights. Right, okay, yeah. So yeah. I decided to get some tights made. I went and got the fabric. I was dating someone at the time. We, she went with me. We picked out the fabric. Didn't so then I started thinking, I'm like, well, I'd rather, I would like the fabric that I'm underneath my pants that's going to go over my calves to match the same fabric <laughs> on my arms that I'm wearing underneath up top. So I'm like, yo, make it a one <laughs> So we made it a one and let me tell you, a lot of people wanted that one A lot of people asked me where I got it from. I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did. Whether they were, whether they, whether that was a desirable item for them or whether they were trying to mock you or whatever. As long as you ran past them and caught the ball and scored touchdowns and hey, it's all that matters. Team. It's all that matters. That um, year, I believe I was second team all Canadian, by the way. <laughs> So I, I like how I, I like how initially there was some resistance to this to this anecdote, and then you came around, and then you added a lot of color and detail. I've never been able to talk to you about it. I only referenced it to you once, like in a text message, and you're like, "How do you know that?" And then so now finally I, I get to hear the story, and that's that's very that's fun. The story. Or, or, it didn't last very long. I think I actually wore it for one game, and then come you on, know. man, you wore that for for a while. Don't even front, dude. One game, I swear, because it's hot, man. and yeah, it, and I, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't made hot very in well, you know, October, Hard on the apparel. Come on, dude. You know you played in Canada. It gets cold by like October first. No, I still wore tights. And I'm not saying I didn't wear undergarments, but like you know, there's professionals who make that stuff. You know, the lady down the block who made the suit for me wasn't prepared for what it had to go through. Okay, fine. That's fine. You but, know, but just just admit that you wore it for more than one game. I <laughs> wore one game, but I mean, <laughs> just, go, just admit that you made it. Wait for for argument's sake, if we want to say two, I'll give you two. <laughs> if, it, if it is going to allow us to move on from this, I'll give you, two, I'll give you two games. But like, you know, it wasn't a full season thing or anything like that. Matt Babel, how did you make a cameo appearance in Drake's music video? Started from the bottom. How did that happen? Well, yes. first of all, you never know. First of all, Drake's the homie. Okay. That's first of all. Well, tell me about how your relationship started. I met Drake. Drake has always been like just an ill dude. Like it's it's ironic when people say like you know it's crazy because the most interesting for me is now is to be in New York, be in New York and be in L.A. and just have people not know you're from Toronto and be out and about and hear the conversations people have about him. First of all, that's crazy to me because I remember when he first started making music, but he's always been you know being on much. And then having him on the grassy, you know, before he was known as a rapper, our, our circles were close. I mean, Toronto was a, a pretty small city. I think one of the most frustrating things about Toronto is it's a undersized city that's oversaturated with talent. So it is so hard for Torontonians a lot of time to be content and happy for someone else's accomplishments in Toronto because it means they can't, they can't accomplish that themselves. And I think if people, like, let's be honest, like, there's a lot of hating that goes in Toronto. And a lot of times it's because there's very few positions. And when someone takes it, it means you can't. So it's this constant battle. It's like a cold war. There's a constant cold war in Toronto. <laughs> you know? I, I, so it's I, know like, I feel like you reference cold war because a lot of stuff with Syria going on and Russia backs Syria and, and uh, President Assad's why, regime. Maybe that's, and that's why, why maybe cold, that's a subconscious reference yeah, right yeah, there. I didn't cold, realize that. <laughs> cold wars in your, please get to, okay, but tell me how you guys... So so, hold on. Then, so I think that okay. within the city, sometimes you don't get a lot of people bonding the way they should, like, which I also find interesting being in the States now and seeing there's so many opportunities. There's so many, you know, you can have a number of rap albums debut at number one. 
You know, it's not like 50 years ago, or sorry, 40 years ago, considering hip-hop just turned 40, when there was only one radio station playing hip-hop jams. So, you know, there's a lot of, you had to battle and like fight and claw your way. And like now, the lane for urban music and the lane for things in the U.S. is pretty big that you can enjoy someone else's success in and know that just never impinges on your success. Where, in, again, in Toronto, I feel like, it does to a certain degree. It's like, it's a constant battle. Is he going to get that? There's like, you know, everyone's applying for one job. Who's going to get it? And when they get it, how did he get it? Like, it's it's just always, China's a very interesting, has a very interesting socioeconomic fabric to it. Both, you know? Both. So the interesting <laughs> thing for Drake is he was never like that. You know, maybe it's because he was an actor, but like, you know, the interesting thing with him is he was always one of those guys who showed everybody a lot of love, whether it be chaos, whether it be Cardinal, whether it be a lot of like, whether it be a rapper, an actor, musician. To me, Drake has always been the Toronto guy who shows people a lot of love, no matter what lane they're in. Will you get to how you guys became friends and then will you get to how the cameo happened? So listen, so Drake would do things like I had met him once or twice. And he would do things like, I remember being out with a girl at Milestones, and all of a sudden, like, he's just a G, like, these glasses of champagne showed up. And I'm like, where did these come from? And then this dude comes over and is like, yo, I told Drake you were here. Yo, he had me send you over some champagne. I'm like, what? So, like, he just did always these small G-up things. So, finally, like, obviously, when we actually got a chance to hang out, there was a lot of love. And then, you know, like, little things, like, we'd have, Chaos and I would have a barbecue at Red Bull on the patio invited him to come through and hang out and then we would just always vibe when we saw each other out we would text and stuff and crack jokes and then it was right around the time we started hanging like being friends maybe about six months before his rap career really started to take off and then you know and then and then he's just we've always been cool ever since then for those people who uh don't know who chaos is chaos is uh He's an artist, but he's, I guess, his lane, even though his latest record has one full side of it, is rock rock music, the other side's hip-hop. Chaos is a hip-hop artist. He's been on the podcast, and it's interesting that you your assessment of what Toronto is, Chaos and Cardinal Official both said the same thing. In Canada, as far as urban music goes, there's only, there's only space for one rapper. So when it's Cardinal's time, it's only Cardinal's time. When it's Chaos's time, it's only Chaos's time. When it's the Rascal's time, it's only the Rascal's time. When it's Drake's time, Maestro's time, it's only their time. So you you assessed it the same way both of those two guys did. Both probably. But I mean, similarly, artists. even in television. I mean, how many black guys are on TSN? Uh, there, there's Dwayne Ford who does. C- there's like four of us. Milt who does CFL. Dwayne Ford does CFL. Myself and Jermaine Franklin who's out in. In Calgary, doing uh, who covers the Flames and the Stampede. Have you ever hosted? Have you ever hosted with one of them? No, never. Well, but they'll put, but they'll put, and I'm, not, I'm my mom's white, so I'm just saying like the aesthetics to to me are like it's like much music, like very rarely. I think the first time in much of history they ever had two black people on the air was recently. I guess they had Tyrone and that other the other new kid. So when you were on Much Music, you were never on the air with Namigeni. Never. I didn't even work there at the same time as her. You didn't. No, I, when I got hired, I, I worked the same time as Sarah Taylor. And you guys didn't do much on de- demand together. I, we might, yeah, of course or we might have hosted. But I'm talking about guys. I'm talking oh, about guys. I guys. filled one quota. Oh. She filled another quota. Ah, got you, got you. Now yeah. get now get to the part how you made the cameo in the music video. It was just weird hanging out. I wasn't even going to be in the video. We just went, you know, what I mean, like this is a, this is going to be this is going to be a major album for him. Um, you know, I. We're, considering where he's at in his career, what he's accomplished, and what I think the trajectory of the next couple of years of his career. So he wanted that to be a big video. And as well be something that kind of separated him in terms of like how much money he spent in the video, you know, releasing it as a, as a, the way he did as a, as a very early single to the album. Um, and he just wanted to be fun and have a party. So we, he was at his spot. He has a spot in Toronto um, that he calls Paradise. That is a, a bar that's closed that he has private parties in. Um, so he wanted to have a party at Paradise, and he wanted to tape a Soul Train line and a bunch of stuff, and we were just hanging out, having fun. And, you know, at the time, I had a couple cocktails, and he had a line, and I was dancing around. And, and, uh, but, and I mean, we danced, got in there we were for dancing for second. hours, so no one really knew what was going to make the video. Right. You know? So a lot of people were in the Soul Train line. A lot of people were dancing. There was a ton of stuff. They shot there for hours, you know? So it's like you never know what's going to make the video. And then I joked around. I hadn't even seen the video yet. And someone sent me a screen capture of me in a very awkward position. And I'm like, 
I'm like, really? That's where they chose? Like, they, it's so fast, and they, yeah, it look, I don't know if that's a praying mantis. I don't even know what to call that anymore. <laughs> okay, serious question. I had... I had uh, one of our friends, a closer friend to you than me, Kevin Frazier from Entertainment Tonight. He was on the podcast about a year yeah. ago. And uh, I asked him how he balances being friends, uh, about the, the relationship be- between being friends with artists, actors, entertainers, and and covering them as subjects. And he, he, he referenced a story about Isaiah Washington and how when Isaiah Washington ultimately got fired from the show Grey's Anatomy for calling a, a castmate uh, using a, a gay slur, um, I, he, he said, you know, he called him and he said, well, let's talk. And so, so and then I said, well, like, was that conversation on the record? But he didn't really answer that. So if you're in a similar similar situation, I think it depends on the situation. I mean, there's certain times that someone wants to clarify something. Kevin's great at kind of figuring out. You know, I work with Kevin when I was doing stuff for Entertainment Tonight, U.S. in the states, um, and you know, Kevin's great at like just figuring out. Sometimes people want to clear their name. Maybe they said something that something that was taken out of context, and Kevin is great at, at taking uh, a situation like that and giving them an opportunity and a giant platform to clarify things like that. Um, it's also sometimes your friends want to promote something. It's a give and take. It's, hey, you know, I know you got this album coming out. I know you got this movie coming out. You know, we'll have you in and talk about that. But in addition, can you throw me a bone and talk about this? You know, um, you know, sometimes it's a book that maybe nobody really wants to talk to them about. And you're like, listen, we'll make sure half the pieces about the book. But in addition to that, can you talk about this? Um, it's a constant battle because, you know, business and friendship, you know, the token phrase, it's there for a reason. It's like it's hard to balance them. You don't want your friend to start feeling like, you know, every time you're around them, you're trying to take advantage of their of their of their situation or their successes. Uh, in a manner that benefits you. So it's it's really hard. That's probably one of the hardest things about uh, working in this business is kind of like, you know, kind of balancing balancing both because, you know, it's like you're around people, so you naturally want to kind of take advantage of them, but at the same time, again, you don't want them to feel like you're taking advantage of them or the situation. And you also don't want anyone to ever feel like they can't bring you in circumstances. Like one of the best things about, you know, being friends with some of the people I'm friends with is they already know. They already know no matter what I'm around and I've shown, you know, by being around them for X amount of time and in certain situations that I'm never going to go back and talk about it on TV. You know, I've seen some crazy, I've been in situations, I've heard crazy stories that could make probably amazing news. You know, and I work at a news music show, but I'll never sacrifice a relationship, you know, or friendship for my job. Okay, so then that's the line that you draw. Where you hold the integrity is the relationship, which which is which is to you more dear than than the job in some circumstances. Not because not that I'll tell you the other thing: that piece of news is going to come and go. You just sacrificed a relationship for a piece of news that is going to come and go in four days. Not even in like twenty, like in Depends three how big hours. It is. Some of the shit's pretty big. Maybe it will last for a week. But anyway, what I what I mean is that it's like it comes and goes, and then what? And being a part of the and being around those things is and being in the know is like much more valuable than anything. Especially if the, you know you have friends who are giving you that kind of opportunity because not a lot of people get it. You know, so for me, it's like why would I ever do that? Like I'm having there's so much more fun being around it. You know, and being around it, and getting absorbed it, and actually learn from it, and then in the culture and seeing what's going on and being the know, then 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 you know what I mean, and and doing that, and I don't think it's, it'd be so tacky and and not very tasteful. So, so that it's just that, yeah, it's never worth it. That's one thing that I know about you. Um, just just in our friendship or whatnot, is that you never talk, you personally. And and like you are absolutely one of those dudes that just holds stuff in a vault because even because I'm like really inquisitive and I like to I like I love details when I'm when I'm hearing stories and stuff like that. And and you're not a dude that ever talks about stuff like, OK, so let's we'll, we'll talk about this Park City stuff. I was randomly in Sundance covering a celebrity hockey game that some hockey players and some actors played in uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. among them. Um, um, and just a collection of hockey players that from from that live in Los Angeles, and then on one of the nights that we were in Park City, we just heard that Drake was going to be at this party, so we got into this party, and then I saw Future as I was doing some laps, uh, getting drinks, and it was myself and my man D. Future waves us into the booth, 
Then you know, Future goes on the turntables. Future is uh, is uh, Drake's DJ, and they say, you know, Drake, my brother will be here in like five minutes. Drake shows up with his whole crew, and then you, there you are. I was like, this is so random that you were, and they. They had, you know, you. I guess you guys had been in Park City for a night or something like that, and you're like leaving that day. But I didn't know that you had that kind of relationship where you guys, you were like traveling with this crew, or were you there for work? I don't, I don't. Really no, recall. I wasn't traveling with them. No, I wasn't traveling with them. I mean, I mean, I'll pop up sometimes where they are just because you know. He, essentially OVO's like family those guys are all great guys but I wasn't traveling with them there I was I was already in Park City and you know I knew they were coming in and stuff so we, we had went out a couple nights previously Ah, okay so, a couple nights prior should I say but it, I mean I mean yeah it's I, I mean here's the thing you know having been in the US it's like there's nothing like people who are cut from the same cloth as you so like when those guys come around the slang is the same it's like this hybrid of West Indian culture slash American culture slash Canadian culture so it's always a breath of fresh air. If I know they're going to be anywhere, you know, in the States, you know, that's close to me. I'm usually there. So Drake has a, Drake had a song, a huge song on the, on the second record, Take Care, which is called Crew Love. And on the chorus, Abel sings, uh, or leading up to it, he's like, uh, you know, there's a room full of dudes. What you bothering me for? And, and yeah. I remember Drake rhyming on one of his, one. I can't remember which cut, but he's he makes reference to people at the studio giving him advice. When have you ever been in a recording studio or recording session? And when you're there, how do you play your position? By that I mean I don't do you, have a position no, no, in the recording but, but not, studio. Okay, not, I not don't a, have a. I mean, position, I've been a couple like, times you, in the lab. I mean, okay, yeah. I was with them. He was at Marvin Gaye's studio in L.A. Um, when he was recording there, and I mean, Stevie Wonder came through. It was kind of a crazy night because a bunch of people came through. You know, it's Drake at the end of the day, and you know he's known for making hits. He had a bunch of producers come through. There's a bunch of people there, um, but I just eat and chill. Like what I'm talking about. Like those experiences for me being at Marvin Gaye, like Mar like seeing it. Like Marvin Gaye has a private keypad in there where Michael, the private room upstairs that has this weird keypad that's hidden behind a bookcase that like Michael Jackson used to record in. So like. I'm just kind of taking it all in. Like, for me, that was like a crazy experience to just be at Marvin Gaye's studio, see, hear about the stories about when he used to record there, when Michael used to record there, Stevie Wonder shows up, you know, they're riffing stuff together. I don't really have a position. I mean, Drake makes the music he does through, you know, his team, and, and that's their that's their thing. Me, I'm just kind of there enjoying the moment and just kind of being a, being a spectator. Okay, you know, we have our own thing we're doing with Reps Up with Preem, so... Yeah. You know, maybe sooner or later, you know, there will be a situation where we're talking music kind of in the studio. But I'm just, I'm kind of a spectator. Like, I'll let them, you know, I let those guys know, like, you know, that's a crazy record or that's crazy. But in terms of my input, I, yeah, I just, I just fall back. Because no one wants to hear that. No one wants to be hanging around somebody who, like, you know, pops up every now and then and all of a sudden has a whole lot to say about something that they shouldn't be talking about. See, that? okay, that, by play your position, I just meant how do you in the room and you yeah. answered the question you're not you're you you offer praise when you feel it's necessary and you don't offer any criticism because you don't feel it's your place the hey he has collaborators in there he has his you know his engineers producers and and you like you said that's not really your place to you know to be like hey uh you know you maybe should have a hi-hat here that that's just what i wanted to know about like what that environment's like because you work in a different uh, arena uh, to borrow a sports analogy than I do when I when I'm with like athletes and stuff we'll be at like dinners and you know but a lot of my interviews if, like 80% of them happen within a stadium or an arena or a, 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 a baseball park so that's that's my office so to speak and you you know you're you're in the field you might be at a concert on a movie set or or in a studio so i just was just curious as to what that um what your your guys dy dynamic is um okay i won't keep you too much longer but i just wanted to uh, get into one thing uh miley cyrus okay I'll tell you the craziest thing about that, though. About what? It's crazy Miley to Cyrus see some of my Drake? friends like Chubbs is the homie. We grew up in the okay. same hood in Scarborough. It's crazy. Like, so we were getting ready the other night to go to the VMAs. Um, so Drake printed a bunch of T-shirts that said on them, nothing was the same. Comes out September 24th on the back. 
So, you know, he handed out T-shirts to everybody. You know, we wore them all when we went to the VMAs, you know. Um, um, so everyone's getting these T-shirts. Now, he, you know, uh, his team only made X amount of them, right? And, and you can only get them from them. Otherwise, you shouldn't have one. So we had been out to eat, myself and a couple of the guys, um, you know, uh, from his crew. And we had come back, and there's this Asian guy leaving the building wearing a Nothing Was the Same t-shirt. So automatically, some of the people in his camp who had been eating with me, who aren't as well adverse in fashion, are like, who the is this guy? So they start looking at this guy like, where the heck did this guy get, where did this guy get this shirt from? And I can see now the aggression in their demeanor as they start to kind of maybe approach this individual to ask him about the shirt. So I quickly had to shout out, relax, that's Alexander Wang. Oh, that's that's amazing. At which point everyone's like, oh, <laughs> <amazing>. okay, okay. <laughs> so that was actually a pretty funny, it's a pretty funny. funny story. I just, saw, I just saw a picture of those two, Drake and Alexander Wang, together on Instagram. And I was like, oh, that's what Alexander Wang looks like. I mean, you hear Ka- Kanye, you mentioned New Slaves, you hear Kanye say his name on the record, and everybody the same wants Alexander Wang, whatever the line is, but that's funny that you are the dude that like, okay, wait, guys, relax. This guy's an internationally acclaimed fashion yeah. designer. I mean, hey, I mean, it wasn't, as I said, it was like, you know, some of the guys who aren't as well versed in fashion, obviously those guys, you know, his management team and Drake and everyone know who he is, so it was just, it was just kind of a funny, it was kind of a funny stuff. Okay, now tell me about Miley Cyrus. What was I don't f- know nothing about Miley. Not, I don't know not nothing her, about her. Not her personally. Tired of hearing her name. Okay, listen, listen. How, what was the, fa- not the fallout, but if you're in New York and after that whole thing goes down with Robin Thicke and blurred lines and all that stuff, like what, what are the, what's, the, what's the reaction amongst your peers? About what, the Robin Thicke that dancing episode? No, but then it's like, it's her. It's like how... She okay. Do you think? Here's a question. Do you think that her? Do you think that she's being provocative, um, just organically, or this is all sort of a? I don't want to say a marketing ploy, but this is intentional. Does it matter? Does it matter either way? You know, Chuck Klosterman. What was the Chuck Klosterman wrote that article about Bono? My and, favorite. He's and my favorite. He writer. starts the article talking about he's like his mission in the interview when he went to Ireland to interview him is like his his thing was I want to find out Bono's full shit or not. But then what ended up happening is through the course of the article he basically just says it doesn't really matter why he does those things the charities the different things he does you know his motives are relevant because at the end of the day he does them. So my thing is there's so much speculation on Miley Cyrus and why she's doing it and is she doing it for this? But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Like, she is twerking. She is out there putting herself out like that. And she she's capitalizing off it. You know, she, she got a huge bump from the VMAs in terms of her record sales. Um, she's a name that's on everyone's lips right now. I mean, so at the end of the day, it's like she's doing it. So there's, I, I don't, to me, I don't understand the speculation and, and everyone talking about, you know, is it contrived? Is it organic? Naturally, 90% of the things that go on in entertainment are contrived. There's a giant team thinking about what moves should we make to do this and this? How are we going to market this person? What are we going to do? What headphones are we going to put them in? Where should they be sitting? What should they look like? What should they be wearing? Should they have a black person beside them, a white person beside them? Like, everything is so contrived, so I don't understand why this topic, everyone is so thrown, everyone is so taken back by, is this contrived? Well, that's interesting. I like the I like the Closerman reference. I love Chuck Closerman. I was actually reading. We were going to have this conversation last week, and I was reading up on some Closerman just to uh, just to inf- into infuse into our conversation. And then there you go, bringing him up organically. I think that's that's great. So this latest video that she does, she's like naked. It's called yeah, Wrecking she's on the ball. ball. It's called Wrecking Ball. Yeah, Wrecking Ball, and she's naked. Do you? What are the? What are the? What are the videos that you remember where the artist is completely naked in the music video? Music I videos. I remember. I mean, Rihanna is the most recent one. I would say. I mean, there's the one with Anthony Kiedis. Is he naked? Where he's wearing a silver suit? Is he oh, painted the, silver? Is that the Under the Bridge video? No, it's one where he's in the desert. Anthony Kiedis, Chili Peppers. I can't remember. Um, I can't remember what that one is called. I remember there was a 
uh, t- disturbing to me, but again, a guy who was provocative intentionally and, and contrived was Marilyn Manson had a video. I think the song was called something about hell, like Lar- I think the road out of hell or hard road out of hell or something like that. He was, but he was like, he was like dancing like, uh, like a hooker in a hotel suite but again he was but he's an intelligent provocateur and then there was the one from uh was d'angelo's untitled slash how does it feel where he's completely naked and he's oh just, he goes down yep yep how does it feel that's a big one but i mean I, i'm i think it happens every now and then and if they aren't pushing in that in that sense i think they're they're doing it um in other ways, but I mean, but those, those artists that we just spoke about, like they all ha- have high artistic. Katy Perry did it laying down. Do you remember the one where Katy Perry has the has the purple wig on or something? Doesn't she? I don't remember. Don't you know Carrie, Katy Perry? California Girls, I think it's called. I don't know. I don't really know her. Who's the, California Girls? Who's the Who's the one pop star that you knew? Are you allowed to the, say the number one pop seller? That what do you mean? No, no. Are, who is the Are you allowed to say who's the pop star that you? used to know that I used to know I don't know what you're t- I don't know what you're referring to are you making some kind of inference that I'm supposed to pick up on because I hear a little chuckle in your voice <laughs> <laughs> and you're asking me to say something that <laughs> I don't know what you're trying to get out of me are you trying to get out like blink 182 made a video yeah they made a naked video remember they're running down the street are we still on the naked video thing or are we on to something else no, that I'm not no, catching I'm, on to? no I'm, 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 I want to stay in the lane where like really sexy attractive uh, female pop stars and you might know one maybe maybe she didn't have the same fame as Katy Perry or maybe she did I, thought, I don't know what you're talking to. I don't know. Sorry, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know who you're referring we'll to. to. We'll have to take this particular conversation offline because I don't think that's. It's, I'm not trying to air out your business. I just like making you feel uncomfortable sometimes. To give, to give you a hard time, you like to hear that that little pitch in my voice sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And then have you backtrack and then you explain the full story. Uh, the la- <laughs> the last one, since you you do have a an athletic pedigree and for many years you were my nemesis because I was always the fat fun guy and you're always like the you're always like the cool. Why are you here yet? Dude. Why are you not in the in, in the U.S.? Here's a guy who like has um, this crazy listen, relationship not, with Kobe Bryant. Okay, we're you know, not, this is you're not, able to this forge this relationship. ESPN, ESPN oh, is a story on who the hell is Cabby. ESPN, the biggest sports, arguably the biggest sports outlet in the world, does a, a story on who the hell is this Canadian Cabby guy who gets all this great stuff from Kobe Bryant. It was why are you in the U.S. Month. It was a slow sports month at that time. I don't want to talk. This is not about me, Matt. Here's, That's here's, a token phrase. That's a token oh answer gosh. every personality gives when you turn the conversation. It's not about me. This is about you. Well, but honestly, you why are you not here yet? You're my guest on the podcast, so I, I would prefer to... And you've been amazing, this whole conversation. Uh, no, but honestly, why aren't you here yet? Gosh. Why aren't you here yet? Let, we'll, talk, we'll talk about this offline also. This, I know, is an I off, know, this is an offline conversation? Well, I don't know. What do I want to be like? Yeah, zim, 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 zim again? I don't know. Just whatever, you know. I'd rather I'd rather try to make you feel uncomfortable. No, but it's an interesting thing. It's like it's, Day, it's, it's, the U.S. is. <laughs> Listen, I was just I was just I was just singing your praises, and uh, it was never more evident than the time that we were in Vancouver together, and yep. then you like we're so it's you. Uh, my man D, my producer Dave, and I, we're just walking through Vancouver. We go to dinner. And we're just, you know we're going to some parties and stuff, and then I would get. All the love from the dudes. The dudes, Kevin, Bubbles, and like they, you know, they just want to ask me about Kobe Bryant and all these guys. They're just saying hello. I and know you're you going get, to this, and it's not true. Don't believe oh a word. My gosh. This is and, not true. And then all you get all the love from the females, like in, no. and oh, one hundred percent. It's I, not true. Dave Kevin, is already it's not true. Well, you you can you can say no, but I think the audience believes me over over you. <laughs> you're saying you're saying you have a you have more credibility with the audience than I do. They're definitely gonna believe you. One hundred percent. You're probably you're probably it's your podcast, so you're probably right about that. Thank you, sir. Last question. I was just uh editing an, an interview with uh Adrian Peterson. Um, Love Adrian Peterson. Amazing. It was great. Had a great time. We flew to Dallas uh to interview him at his uh at a football camp. And he's been featured in uh ESPN the magazine's body issue. And yeah. I was recently in L.A. for the ESPY Awards, and uh, I saw him there and saw a few other people that were in this particular body issue. And since football is is back 
and we were talking about your some of your <laughs> your accessories uh, when you played football at Wilfrid Laurier uh, University here in um, in well in uh, Kitchener, Ontario. Uh, which is about one hour west of Toronto for those who are listening south of the border. Um, what are the, in your opinion, what are the top three most impressive male physiques of all time? I'm putting you on the spot. I know it's an awkward question, but that's it's a okay. Super though. uncomfortable question. That's but okay, I'm though. very. But you ask someone who's very secure with their sexuality. Right. Of course. So you can't. I have no the problem question. saying, "Hey, this is you know this gentleman has a great physique." So what you really want to tell us, first of all because you prefaced all that with Adrian Peterson, is you happen to think that Adrian Peterson has an amazing physique. 100 million percent. He's on you my like list. his physique. He's a, he's a, yeah, it's absolutely desirable. Not, not I'm going to apologize not on this a, one because, to be honest, I haven't had the privilege that you have, and I haven't seen that many males. I haven't seen that many males. <laughs> like, I haven't seen that many guys in I haven't had a chance to, to, to examine <laughs> and look at their physiques. See, I like you're trying to do there, but listen, you're but you're exposed to the same culture that I am. Okay, you're in New York City. Giants and Jets are the biggest stars in that city. Okay, yeah. well, it's it when football season's that's on. Argue, that's uh, Knicks it's, are it's, pretty. They get a lot of love. All all the love. It's Derek Jeter, and then it's Giants and Jets, or Giants and Jets, and then Derek Jeter. You think it's Giants? You don't think the Knicks are up there? Not a chance. No way. You don't think Carmelo Anthony? He's 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 like number four. Actually, he's number five because they talk about A. Rod more than Carmelo. It's Giants. It's like Sanchez. They don't even talk about Eli Manning. It's Sanchez slash Tebow slash Rex Ryan, all representative of the Jets. Then the Giants. Anything Giants. Then Derek Jeter. Then Alex Rodriguez. And then maybe Carmelo. Oh my God, that's crazy! I can't. You feel like that? I'm telling. That's dude. It's like Yank. You know, I. I, Yankees are the prize team, but as far as like what? Well, first of all, you left out Victor Cruz. That's where we're going to start hey, right well, there. Because hey, you left Cru- out Victor Cruz, hey. and Victor Cruz is always part of the conversation. No, not not more than Jeter. Not not, not more, more than Jeter. Jeter. But, I know. I agree. Not more it, than Jeter. But in terms of New York, like Victor Cruz gets a lot of love. As as he should, he's extremely talented. Scored a couple touchdowns on the weekend. Did his dance. He's. Oh, I think he scored three touchdowns. The guy was a, a, a football fantasy beast. But anyway, he had a getting, great weekend. You're getting, you have him. you're getting away from it. Okay, you're exposed to as much sports as I am, and you live in the mecca of the entire yeah, world. Yeah, but I don't New York get City. to see them naked. I don't get to see their physique. I don't see them naked. I didn't see Adrian Peterson naked, but I've seen the magazine. You see him with his shirt off? I don't know. I've never. I mean, I haven't seen magazine, a lot of these of guys course. even with their shirts off. I, I get what you're saying. I'm not trying to make it seem like you, like you go. I'm not. You know, I'm not trying to paint this picture of you. Because <laughs> anyone who knows you knows that is definitely not the case. Um, <laughs> I like um, how that was dripping with sarcasm. Okay, go top three athletic no, bodies just, of all time. You could you could go in any era. You could go 80s. You could go 90s. You can go the 2000s. It's up to you. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be football. I don't. I don't. I mean, who had a great physique? Let me think for a second here. Then who had a great physique? You, you want me to give you mine, and that maybe that'll take you in a certain direction, or do you want to be un, unfettered by my suggestions, my own? You list? know, who has a great physique. You know, who's massive? I'm thinking right now. I don't know if he has abs, but I tell you. Um, um, oh my God! Why am I going blank here? His name. Um, well, if he doesn't have abs, I don't know if he could be. He can't be part of the conversation. We're talking about like the most impressive physical, like physical specimens. Like if they're going to yeah, send I'm a saying, human, I'm saying, hold on, I'm thinking right now. If um, they're going to send a human into outer space, like they did in 1979 with the Vitruvian Man, a, a portrait of the Vitruvian Man, you know that famous Michelangelo painting where the guy outstretched, he looks like outstretched, he looks like a star. That famous image. If they're going to send an actual human to go interact with extraterrestrials, way in the other outer reaches of our galaxy who is the who is the human the human that they're going to send to be like this is represent this is the best case scenario for our race as a species dwight howard that's impressive dwight howard is a is a beast dwight howard yeah that's a good one that's a great one i mean you if you're going to send one human being with the physique i mean he's ripped like he's he's he's, he's made out of marble. like he's made out dwight of howard yeah dwight howard who else is on that list? Two more. You want someone else in that list? Um, I don't know, man. I mean, I think... Oh, I'm trying to... Uh, 
I'm going to maybe say David Boston. Oh, right, from The Ohio State. I like how you remember referenced David the Ohio Boston. State. Remember him? Yeah, like he was 200, what was he, 240-pound wideout? I think he was I think he was 265, 6'3". He was just ripped. and Just torn. Yeah. And Let's he, say David Boston was on the list. I haven't even seen him. I just career. say know the size he is, how much he works out, how fast he was of a runner, and a wide receiver. You know he had to be shredded. And I used to, you know, I used to see his arms and stuff when yeah, he's playing he games. Yeah, he was jacked. He was jacked. That was a great one. That's off the board, but nice, nice work. Nice recall on that. Arizona Cardinals, David Boston. Yep. And I don't know who else I'm going to go for. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I don't know. Those are two specimens. I give you two different sports. I would like to go to another sport just to give you, Box, just to like boxing. round it boxing out. Boxing or soccer? Well, I could go with the obvious ones or I could try to pick someone. Off the board? Off the board. I don't think soccer players, to be honest with you, when you say a specimen, like you have to have a certain amount of girth and muscle to shred it up to actually have that crazy specimen. Like, I mean, like soccer players are all in great shape and they all have abs, but they're not really jacked up built guys. So when you say like a specimen kind of build, when you describe what you're talking about going to outer space and stuff, okay, <laughs> you're talking about going to another planet. If right. you're talking about having someone represent mankind, <laughs> I don't know if I'm thinking soccer. Okay, that's fine. I, because you know? there, that's lean muscle, lean, elongated it's very lean tendons. Muscle. That's like, like it's like sending fight club type shit. Right. You might as well send Usain Bolt to to, to, to space. Exactly. Like the symmetry exactly. is being six six. I mean, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm. I mean, yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't yeah, that's, those are two specimens right there, though. Do you still look the same, Matt? Can we send you to outer space? You used to have no. the. You used to have those muscles, like in the D'Angelo video. We had the. You had the I V. Did. You had the trail. That wasn't. Yeah, from that was Remember how I told you about how you you in your mind you're still young, but your body's not as young as it once was. I don't know if I believe that about you. No, I mean I'm all right. I mean okay. I'm all right. I mean I don't have eight abs anymore, but I mean six is okay. Six, all right. <laughs> Yes, yes. I mean, yeah. You mentioned Mark Wahlberg. Uh, what is, what's been uh, one or two of your really bad experiences with? Um, I haven't had a lot of bad experiences. A lot of people ask that, like, what bad experiences have you had? I mean, most people, when you get to a certain tier level, they know they're there to do a job. You're there to do a job. But they're humans and they have bad days. So sometimes you go in with a certain expectation and the interview doesn't meet it. I don't know. I just think, yeah, you're right. I, you know, there is examples where people come in and they're grumpy, but I feel like, you know, you know how to talk to someone when they're not having a great day. I feel like there's a way to kind of ease someone out of a bad mood, and that does happen. People come in from doing a long day of press, especially like when they're doing international press and they keep asking the same thing. It's funny. I was in, you know, I was in, uh, I was over at Def Jam the other day, and YG and Jeezy were there, and YG, who was a rapper from Compton, was doing a lot of press, and I happened to be in the room listening to all these interviews he was doing. And it was like the same questions over the same questions and the same questions. So, I mean, when you've been doing it long enough, and a lot of them weren't, I don't think, super experienced interviewers, but, like, when you've been doing a lot of this, you know, for a while, you kind of get the idea of, of how to navigate. But, I mean, you do have bad days. I believe that some people, you know, some people you just don't vibe with, like, no matter what you do. You know, I don't know if it's based on a pheromone, if it's scent, like, you know, going back to, our, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Sometimes, you know, you just don't vibe with someone. You're like, I don't know. I'm just not feeling that person. I don't know what it is. So who, that's bound who? to happen sooner or later. But I think for the most part, you know, most of these people are consummate professionals. They kind of get what they're there to do. They're there to promote something or sell something. And the better job they do at it, you know, um, the better it's going to be for them. And then you're there the same thing. You're there to get certain things out of the person and hopefully you get them. I mean, sometimes, yeah, you're right. You don't get anything or sometimes you get nothing and you're like, but for the most part, they go, I haven't had too many that have went, you know, you get that. I don't want to talk about that. You know, which sometimes when you're really earlier on, like, you know, earlier on in your career, when you get a, I don't want to talk about that, your heart stops. You're like, Oh my God. And it throws you off and you get all rattled and stuff. But, and I'm sure it's different from sports to entertainment because there's not as much scandal around sports sometimes as there is entertainment, right? That's true, but I guess we have a job to do, and it's try to get. Well, my job is like I'm more entertainment than information, and you, your your job is kind of yours is a mix of both. But you have to get a certain amount of information from your artists. You know, I I referenced the Miguel interview earlier because only is because it's the last one I saw that you did. I remember. You did a an interview with Big Sean, and you were in the studio, and and uh, with him. But you have to get a certain amount of information from 
from your 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 guests so when they're just in a super low-key mood it just brings it just brings the energy down and it kind of sucks i i feel like i have to overcompensate for that me personally that's my style just to get them up but you i I've seen some of your interviews, and you, you kind of go to. I usually match. I usually match, my yeah. thing is I usually match the energy of the person I'm with. I just find that sometimes if I've tried that before, and maybe entertainment is different, but I've tried that before where where if they're low energy, I try to bring those up by having high energy, and then I find the more high energy I have, the further you know, the quieter they get, and the more recluse they become. You know, it's kind of like. Just weird things, so I try to I try to kind of match um, a, a certain energy. And I actually I actually I remember I was going to interview Outcast years ago in Atlanta, and the girl came out to me and she's like, "Hey, I just want to give you a heads up. Um, the interview went in before you. They're really subdued guys, and they're kind of laid back. And the interview uh, the interviewer before you." kind of try to pep them up by being really loud and, and, and full of energy and they just got, you know, they just sunk further and further down in their seat. She's like, so I just want to make you aware that, you know, go in at like, you know, very level and, and try to bring them out that way. And it worked. And and I followed her and I worked and I I think, you know, that was that was one of the examples that you, I think just inherently, it's like if your mom's reading a book in the living room, you're not going to run in, you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> that's a great that's a great analogy. But don't you do you get disappointed sometimes though? Like yeah, when sometimes you like get disappointed. The, I mean I mean, especially when you're looking forward to interviewing somebody and then you go in and you're like, Oh really? That's I got to it. I mean When's the last time that happened to you? Um That happened to me recently and I'll tell you my story after you tell yours. I don't know the last time that happened to me. I'm trying to think right now. Um I think I get more disappointed in when I think there's something like, for example, if you're interviewing somebody, some of these things like, you know, sometimes they only give you like 10 minutes or they'll give you like seven minutes or they give you X amount of time. And then sometimes you think the interview is going really well and they're vibing with you and you, and then all of a sudden seven minutes comes and you have like one more question to go and you swear there's a vibe there. And then the, the person who's keeping track of time, the publicist a lot of times will say, Hey, your time's up. And then you're expecting the person because you have such a good vibe going with them to be like, Oh, let them finish this question. It's cool. And they kind of give you this face and they just look at you like, sorry, it's done. Ah, uh, yes. I know exactly that. I and you're exactly like, what? what you're Bro, you about. couldn't yeah. even like, we were vibing. Yeah. Yeah. And it sucks. And you're, and yeah. you're like helpless. You're like, oh man, you just, you feel like, uh, yeah. that person maybe. It's like a heat check. Yeah. It's like a heat check. You know, it's like, you know, you're, it's like a heat, like you're feeling yourself a little bit. And he's like, nah, it's not like that. I'm just doing my job. <laughs> <laughs> I had uh, I I did, and this happens on the ju the junket circuit. I went to do an interview the the cast of The Hangover Three. So I'm in a room, and in front of me, in the middle, is Bradley Cooper. To his left is Zach Galifianakis, and to Bradley Cooper's right is Ed Helms. So I go in there, and I know it's like four minutes. So that's not a lot of time to make an impression. So. Uh, Zach Galifianakis was awesome. Ed Helms was awesome. I brought them these mullet wigs. And actually, Bradley Cooper wore the mullet wig. And Zach Galifianakis was great. He's like, oh, he started acting Canadian because I identified myself as Canadian going into the thing. And then I, I brought Ed Helms a keyboard. And I'm like, hey, in the Hangover movies, you always play a memorable song. For this interview, can you play a memorable song? And he just made up a song like on the spot with this keyboard that I brought I bought in Toronto and I flew all the way to El to Las Vegas to interview these guys. But Brad Co Bradley Cooper was not feeling it at all. And it's almost like the energy of Galifianakis and Ed Helms was like picking him up, but he didn't go for it. He was just like, it was one, and I, and I, 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 for lack of a better term, it was like he was too cool for school. And I was so disappointed, man. But the other two guys were amazing, but I what that was that was the last time I was really disappointed by someone who I'd never interviewed before. I had a certain level of expectation and it just didn't pan out. I'm trying to think. I wanna that's a great story. I wanna I wanna compete. 
listen, there's no, there's I no. I want to outdo your disappointment right now. There's, there's no competing with my awkwardness and what I bring to interviews. It's like, it's like Nardwar times a thousand, and only when Nardwar at the very end of his interviews, where he just stand, where he freezes for forty five seconds just to get a reaction from his guests. It's that's that my favorite part. That, but I love Nardwar. Like that guy's. I don't know if there's anybody who's more researched than him or his staff in in the interviewing game, whether that's print or radio or on television. Yeah, he put producers in a very difficult position because now you're like, yo, how does this guy know all this? Yeah. It's out there. Yeah. <laughs> that guy digs like it's the friggin' gold rush, like it's Klondike, like they're looking for oil, oil uh, depo- depositories in the Arctic. <sighs> I don't know where I was going there. Sounded good, though. Thank you, my dude. I, I don't want to keep you. I do appreciate this, man. This was great. Thank what, you, um, thank you, Matt. Baby. Yeah, I'd like to know about your life, but maybe we'll flip it one time and I'll interview you on the podcast. Sounds good to me. Next time you're in the city, my dude, if you have an hour to spare, but you only come here for 48 hours. So for one of those 48 hours and 16 of those hours are sleep. So really, I'm working with 32 hours. If one of those 32 hours you can slice me off, then let's do it. Well, you know, we're working on this label. That's the other thing we're working on right now, this label thing. With Prem. Yeah, which is great. So, which I can't speak too much about. Okay, well, then we'll wait till you can't speak about it, and then we'll and then come on and we'll speak about it. And we'll do some on it. At this is Babel on Twitter. At this is Babel on Instagram. His last name is spelled B A B E L. Please do some more. No, tweeting. it's at Matt Babel on Instagram. I know I messed up. What? It's not this is Babel. No. Excuse me. It's at Matt Babel. Is that M A T T E B A B A B A B E L. Yes, sir. Okay. Not this is Matt Babel. Just at Matt Babel. I just at Matt Babel. Okay. I know. See, I messed it up. I didn't. Re- yeah, I messed it up. Oh, jeez. Were you? And and I. Was, Social media game. I told you. I gotta get. You know. I gotta. Anyway. I appreciate I've, it. It's and, always a pleasure, man. It's good. It's good to talk to you. It's good to hear from you. You know all that great stuff. Thank you, Matt. Do me a favor, bro. What's that, my nemesis? Anything for you? Just keep it clean, man. (laughs) (laughs) Always, my dude. Thank you for listening to Cabbie Presents, the podcast.